it's okay to say no to a deal because I didn't say no in the beginning and I took on deals that probably should have known that they would go nowhere, but I didn't want to say no. And I've had some really difficult files that I managed to get done, but yeah. It's like falling downstairs. It's like, oh my God. And then getting up and falling down them again. It's like, here we go. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to Island B Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the industry to find out how they're succeeding in this ultra-competitive market. Today, I talked to Melody Krawchuk. Melody is one of the brokers that has been in our training program and has recently joined our brokerage, actually. And one of the things I love about Melody is that she didn't come from a sales background, but one of the things that we do in our company is we have something called Game of Phones. You know, everybody says you got to make phone calls, but what do you say? Who do you call? So we coach our agents on that. And Melody just shows up over 100 sessions in a row, completely transformed her business. She's become like, is not even honest to goodness when I look at where she is now to where she starts. She's not even the same person. Like I'm just like, who are you, Melody? So she's leveled up and the leveling up in her business has trickled over into her personal life, which is often the case. You can't level up one part of your life and it not affect other areas. And, you know, I love this conversation I have with Melody. We talk about a deal that she couldn't do. So one of the things that I've added to these conversations is because I want you to learn, hey, look, as a new mortgage broker, you're going to come across deals that you're going to try and you're going to lose them. And then later on, three, six months later, you go, dang it, if I only would have done X, I would have kept it. And so we talk about that. Also in the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall about the power of APIs. Ooh, if you don't know what they are, we talk about what they are and why these are so useful for anybody trying to build a more efficient mortgage business. Before we jump into that episode though, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So if you're a Canadian mortgage broker, check out finmo.ca. They have a really easy interface for Canadians to get applications, Canadian borrowers get applications, document collection, submission. It's all tied into one easy to use platform. The average Lendesk user, Finmo user, saves 72 hours a year. That's three full days. So it's actually more work days if you think about if you work an average of eight hours a day. Check them out, finmo.ca, and check out this conversation with Melody. Hey, Melody, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. I'm from Calgary, Alberta, born and raised. And I'm a mom to four children, a grandmother to one. And yeah, I've been doing mortgages for almost four years now. And so how did you get into the mortgage business? Like what was your path to this industry? Well, I used to work for some different obstacle course races like Spartan Canada and Explorer Challenge. And one of my volunteers was a good friend of mine and he's also a private lender. And he kind of was telling me about it for a couple of years and he saw how I worked at the races and how I coordinated things. And he's like, you would make an amazing mortgage broker. And it took a while before I kind of took his advice. But once I did, you know, it was kind of, I didn't regret it. I have questions on this because when you say something like Spartan races are cool. So what was the hardest race that you organized? Which is the one that's like, this one's tough. Like, what would that be? For the obstacle course races, it would be the Spartan Beast. It was a 10 hour one in Sun Peaks, three mountains up and down. One was straight up almost. You had to bear crawl your way up the mountain. And I have some permanent knee injuries from that one. Okay, that's not all right. So then my next question is, so from this other industry, right, organizing events, what applied directly into your mortgage business? And then what was different? So two questions, what applied and what was different about these two things? 
well, what applies in is what my friend saw is my skills is that I'm a people person and I can read people fairly well because in the races I needed to know sort of what would motivate them to give me a little bit extra or if I needed to get them to do another race, you know, I could sort of easily determine where they'd be best suited, what they needed, et cetera. And just, I mean, I had crazy organization skills because I had to, you know, kind of change everything, race stakes. You get, you know, 600 volunteers signing up and then you get 250 that show up, which is usual the case. And so it's just on the job, sort of on the spot organizing. And me and my friend, he saw these skills that I had and he's like, wow, you would make a great mortgage broker because you can read people. And then how many people would actually do one of these races? Like if you have 250 volunteers, how many contestants or participants are in it oh there'd be thousands depending on which race it was and which location and sometimes you're in the remote mountains like in sun peaks bc or on mount seymour in vancouver and you're in the middle of you know a mountain but a lot of the volunteers they liked racing and that's sort of what drove them to do that and you know and i also created partnerships with emergency responders like firefighter military paramedics etc like partnering them up with youth and so that was sort of another right drive for that for the participants. Right. That's cool. Okay. So when you jumped into the mortgage business, did you start full-time, part-time? How did that go? It was full-time because my friend, he had told me, he's like, you need to do this full-time and you may not make a lot of money your first year. But he said, I promise if you stick with it, you will. Cause he saw those skills that I had. So at least I kind of knew what to expect in the beginning. So have you ever like thanked him for now that you're four years in and your business is starting to rock and roll? Have you ever you know, said, Hey, thanks for getting me in this. Or I'm, yes. I'm curious. I gave yeah. him some really nice whiskey or scotch. I can't remember what it was. Right. Okay. And was there any point that you questioned like over this free, we, you know, we talked a little bit about this before we turn on the recording, but like any point you questioned, man, is this the right career? Should I be in this? Cause sometimes we go through the, I call it the Valley of the shadow of death. We're like, Oh my gosh, like this is harder than I expected. Takes longer. So I'm curious if you experienced that. I did. It was probably I was in it for about a year and a half and I wasn't quite seeing, you know, a lot of money that I was making. I was really enjoying what I was doing and I did a lot of learning. Like I did a lot of training with Equifax and about credit and I just did as much training as I could, but it was still very limited. I wish I had done more training, but I just spent a lot of time just training and learning. And it took a while because I had lost a couple of clients and I took it really personal. And I right. shouldn't have. I knew I shouldn't. But it's hard I did, though when it's your really... when it's your only have a few and you lose one. It's like oh my gosh. So that leads me to my next question. So can you share a file that you lost when you started, but now you'd be like, oh, I know how to handle that now. I know because I think anybody who's new that's listening, it's useful for them. These lessons become yours because they happen to you, and I find it burns into your brain. Like okay, but for someone else to hopefully avoid that fate, can you share one? Yeah. Well, there is a couple. And one file, it was really getting close to the closing. And then they just decided last minute, it wasn't an easy file because there was a lot of things that a lot of lenders hadn't seen before, just with the circumstances. And it was hard to get done, but it was so close to the finish line. And I had put so much time into this file. And that when they just decided last minute, like, oh, no, we're going to go with the bank. It really hit me hard. So did they just change their mind because it was just too much paperwork? What do you think made them pivot at the 11th hour? It was too much paperwork because they had to supply a lot of paperwork just because of the situation that they were in a very unique situation. But because they had already gotten most of it done, it was easier when they went to the bank because they had already provided me the majority of it. And they were just like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. 
And then they ghosted me. You know, the experience you have now, how would you handle that situation different? Well, I would have automated a lot of it because I didn't know that I could do like pull bank statements, you know, the NOA packages that would really take a lot of the documentation away from the clients with needing to provide it. And I just would have handled that a lot differently and tried to get a better list of what I would need. But it was such a unique circumstance that I've only ever seen that one time. I didn't know what I would need. Right. Okay. And so do you have any other situations where a file kind of went sideways, but now you go, oh, I know how I'd stick handle any other ones you can think of? There's been a couple that just sometimes either a person is just rate shopping, yet I didn't see it right away. And so I'd put a lot into a file thinking that. Right. You know, so then maybe just knowing when to either draw the line and say, hey, I'm yep. out because this is you're not going to be my client. And yep. what was the telltale sign that you knew that they were just shopping you or that they were just... Just the questions that they would ask. And then they would ask if, oh, uh, which insurer did you send it to? Like, why? How would you even know what that is? Exactly. Right? Like unless you're they being were dealing coached. with another. Yeah. yeah. So that it's a key thing there. If they ask you very specific questions that are like, how would you know this unless you're in the industry or somebody's asking you? Because then they're going, oh, I'm going to send it to the other insurer. This yeah. is what they were saying without saying it. Right? Exactly. Interesting. Okay. So there are two distinct skills you got to master. Sales and underwriting. Which one was harder for you? Probably underwriting because I can talk to people I love talking to people but the underwriting it was all so different okay so what is your sort of best thing you've learned about underwriting in the last sort of 90 days or last six months like what's an insider tip that you've noticed or picked up labeling the documentation very specifically and the same all the time just it makes it so much easier because I developed a system and then you know I joined a brokerage so I had to change the system and I'm not very tech savvy I sort of wish that I had done maybe just some classes or something on specific software because yep. that was really hard for me. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so labeling documentation, so you can just find stuff quicker. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, is that a T1 or whatever, right? So you came into our coaching program and you recently joined our brokerage, which is super cool. We're excited for that. But what was your biggest takeaway from the coaching program that's helped your business? Well, you know, the coaching program started, that's when sort of my life was falling apart. And it just really... Yeah, I remember there were some days that you were like, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you poor thing. You were like, we're on the other side of it now, mostly. But it seemed like it was stressful. Yeah, I mean, I had a great coach because I worked with Lori and some other women and we called ourselves the Wonder Women. And I'm a bit of a big time geek, a big Wonder Woman geek. So it was great for me and I looked forward to it and I gained some really good skills. And yeah, I mean, the coaching was phenomenal. So one of the things that you've done, and I'm going to toot your horn here is that so with Game of Phones, so Game of Phones is something that we do where you we do these weekly call sessions, and we have a coach and then we, it's not just coaching, it's a mini coaching, and then mostly just doing calls. So you have showed up to 100 of those in a row, which is remarkable, because we keep trying to like, it's like your Snapchat streak. So tell me about that. How is you picking up the phone help change your business and that whole piece? Well, Game of Phones, it took me a little bit while to sort of get started with it when I started with the 10 loans a month program. And I wish I'd started a lot sooner because, you know, it took a couple months before I really started seeing results because I was able to, you know, talk to some realtors that, you know, I kind of maybe hadn't talked to in a really long time that I knew personally and meet new ones. And then the four slide presentation, you know, being able to do that with them. Yeah. And it's just showing up every week. That was one of the habits that I knew. Like once I started seeing it affect my business, there was times when I was getting my house ready to sell that I was at a paint store picking up paint, but I was listening in on the call and I'm like, okay, as soon as I'm done this, I'll do my calls. And I remember painting the bathroom one time 
while on Game of Thrones, just because I'm like, nope, I'm not missing it because I schedule my life around yeah. it because I've seen how it helps my business. Yeah. And that's not something I'm willing to lose. And so what has been kind of the takeaway? So Dustin Carlson, who does our coaching that, what has been kind of a takeaway for you watching, you know, he's like a black belt, right? And I say to people, you don't want to try to be him because he's not normal, but <laughs> what was kind of a, a takeaway that you got from being able to be exposed to that level of experience and knowledge? Well, he's got some great scripting because there's times when you get a call and you're just not really sure what to say, but he's always available for questions and things like that during Game of Phones. And he has the perfect scripting that works. And there was a few times where I'm like, I don't know if that'll work. It just seems too easy. Like the fact that he doesn't leave a whole long message when he's leaving messages. He's like, hey, this is Dustin calling you back. Just give me a call back. And I have his number memorized. I've almost given it to clients before. It's hilarious. One of the things he does, he's had his mic on so you can hear him. If you're not making yep. calls, you can listen to him talk. So that's so funny. You're right though. Like simple wins, right? Simple works. Simple and consistent. That's kind yep. of the key. The consistency so. is key. Because yep. my realtors, they know that I keep in contact with them. So they don't always necessarily need to do that. A neat thing is, is that a realtor that oh, I think I knew her about 10 years ago, I met her personally. And she was one of the people that I connected with again during Game of Phones. And I just went over to her house for dinner on Sunday. You know, she had some of her kids there and she's referring, you know, clients to me and even her family members. Mm -hmm. And it all started by just picking up the phone and starting yep. that conversation and, and going from there. That's amazing. So I'm excited to see what you do, Melody, with this. So I got some rapid fire questions now. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? That I'm a grandma. Yeah, you don't look like a grandma. Like when you said to me, grandma, I'm like, what? You know, my so, oldest daughter's a hairdresser, so that could be why. Right. So it's just like, shh. Uh, and and how, how old is your, how old is your uh, grandbaby? He's five. Right. My goodness. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Last Holiday. What's that? I don't even heard of this movie. It's a Queen Latifah. It's just about taking risks and taking chances and seeing what you can actually accomplish. Okay. I'm, and yeah. it's a Christmas movie because I love Christmas movies. Right. I don't know if I have a favorite Christmas movie, but okay. So what are three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without? Some sort of an electric signature program, which is a part of Finmo now, email and my calculator. Right. Do you actually have like a legit I use my cal phone calculator? Okay. But you, like yeah, a my phone calculator. calculator. Yeah. I use it all the time and I've got a good one on there. I can save things and edit it. It's fantastic. Right. Okay, cool. Okay. So what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? To do it full time. Don't just step your foot in halfway, take the leap and just commit. Yeah. But then I, I, do training earlier. I mean, I did a lot because I was in the same office as the broker owner and the head underwriter, which was fantastic. But I wish I had done like your 10 lows a month or one of your other programs in that first year. Right. Yeah. I have some structure to it. Cause the thing is, if you go, you can go get all this learning, but if there's no structure, then you want some momentum to build, right? You want to be like, this builds mm -hmm. on this. And that's like layering bricks. Yeah. There's a benefit to that. So knowing what you know now, so this is kind of the next question. Is there anything you do differently if you're starting over? So go back four years and you could say, Melody, like, this is what you need to do. What would you do? I would do some computer courses on some of the specific programs that I'd like to use better, like Excel and things like that. 
but that I would really just focus in and put my money where my mouth was sort of, so to speak, and just do the training because that was the one thing that really helped me take my business to the next level. And I would be in a totally different place now, probably making double the money if I had done it in that first year. Sooner. Yeah. But you know what? Like everything's in its time, right? Like there's things I wish I would have learned. I was thinking the other day I had this insight about, you know, how I treat my team. I used to be terrible boss. And I was like, man, I wish I would have learned that sooner. I lost some great people because I was a jerk. So, but not to say that you, you weren't a jerk, but like sometimes the lessons happen when they need to, right? Like you're in a new kind of stage. It's just, you went through some personal stuff. That's all getting cleared up. And so now you're like, hey, you can be focused on you and your goals. And so maybe yeah. now's, your, now's your time to rock and roll. So that's fantastic. Is there anything else that like, if somebody's new and they're listening to this, any last words of wisdom that you'd want to leave a new rookie who's just starting out and they're looking down that first year of like, oh my gosh, what would you say to them? It's okay to say no to a deal. Because I didn't say no in the beginning and I took on deals that probably should have known that they would go nowhere, but I didn't want to say no. And I've had some really difficult files that I've managed to get done, but yeah. It's like falling downstairs. It's like, oh my God. And then getting up and falling down them again. It's like, here we go for like three weeks. So, okay. I like to get specific on this. So what's something that you'd say no to now that you didn't say no to before? If I have a client who will constantly call me at 10 at night, expecting answers and texting all hours of the night, that's not okay. And clients that are very difficult and challenging that way, or that you kind of know they're rate shoppers, but I was trying to convert everybody. Right. So basically somebody who's extremely needy or they won't respect your boundaries in terms Mm -hmm. of like, Hey, what do you mean you're not answering my call right now? You know, at 10 o'clock at night or something. And so exactly, it makes it the job no fun, honestly. I have to say, when you have clients that are no fun to work with, like as much as this is a great industry, it makes it kind of no fun. Like to go to work, you're it like, really oh. does. Because if yeah. clients, they can respect that work home balance, I needed it because I sort of started losing that early on just because I was trying to do so much and be everything that I had to really kind of step back like, no, okay, my personal time with my kids, that's my time. And yes, sometimes something happens with a file that I'll need to do something late at night or whatever on a weekend, that's fine. But other than that, having that work home life balance is important. Yeah, that's amazing. I totally agree with you. You know, I always say when you're first starting out, you say yes to everything and then you slowly start to say no. But saying yes to every type of file doesn't mean you say yes to people who treat you like crap and abuse you because I'm just meaning say yes, try the, you know, the construction loan, try this weird loan over here right give it a go but if Mm -hmm. it's somebody if it's a client or a realtor being you know extremely rude like you have to have self-respect so that's awesome that you're kind of getting to that place so let's just take a little role play here for a second so if i'm that client let's say i'm the needy client what would you say to me to like either a smarten me up or b tell me to go away do you have any idea what you said i would be very very clear and firm with my office hours if they're always texting late at night because I made the mistake of answering a text a few times just because I happened to see it pop up. I could answer it in five seconds, but either answer it and have it scheduled to send like an email, just schedule it for the next morning and just be really clear about what my boundaries are. And if they're not respecting them, then I can refer them to someone else. Yeah. You know, I don't think we're going to be a good fit. And, uh, you know, I think that you best served with go to your bank, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. one of my mentors told me a long time ago, you're always training people how to treat you. So yep. if they text you at 10 and you reply at 10 five, you're training them to be like, okay, melody is going to respond every time. If they text you at 10 and you respond the next day, you're training them that I'm a professional. You don't text the best lawyer in town and expect them to get back to you at 10 o'clock at night. 
right? They'll, nope. they'll get back to you in my business hours or best whatever top. So it's good that you've made that transition and that's pretty cool. Well, Melody is awesome. I love what you're doing. Keep showing up to Game of Phones. You've got that streak. You're crushing, you know, the calls and I see you on there all the time. Big smile and just your whole persona and energy. Like, honestly, people don't, maybe they know you if anybody's listening to this, but like what I've seen in you since we started working together and where you are now, it's like, oh my gosh, you don't even seem like the same person. Like the confidence, the, I don't want to say swagger because you're not like, cocky but like there's a confidence that i see that you like was not there and especially when you're going through that whole personal stuff that was going on that was tough it was awesome that you had a great community around you to kind of help pull you through it and now you're on the other side of it and you know let's rock and roll let's make 2022 amazing so fantastic That's the goal. yeah okay well hey thanks for chatting with me today melody i really appreciate it we'll be chatting soon all right sounds good bye All right. So as I said, this conversation with Melody was awesome. Really enjoyed my conversation with her and just loved seeing the personal growth that she has done in the last year and a bit with her mortgage business. And in particular, her phone skills have just, it's like, I remember watching this. I'm a bit of a Star Wars nerd. And so in, uh, you know, Star Wars, when Dooku sees Anakin and he's like, oh, your powers have doubled since the last time we met. Or he says to him, Anakin says, my powers have doubled. This is Melody. Her powers have like quadrupled since she started doing the game of phones. And so it was super cool to see her do that. In this upcoming section, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage. That's blumortgage.ca. They've got a fantastic program for setting up your whole CRM for mortgage brokers. It connects to pretty much everybody. So check out this conversation that I have with Tom. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, it's great to be here. So today we're going to talk about the power of APIs. Dun, dun. I always want to play this, yeah. dun, dun, dun. although APIs are amazing. Yeah. For our listeners who don't know what that is, which most people would, but why don't you dumb that down for me? And then we're going to talk about why this is such a valuable thing to have as part of your you know, tech stack. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So API is something that I think gets thrown around a lot. And I think there is maybe some confusion out there. People have heard it, maybe not 100% sure what it means. And really, at the end of the day, what it is, it's just a method to connect different systems, right? Very simply, hey, I have two different systems and you know they don't talk together. They're completely separate. Your API is basically your bridge, right? So I have these two places. They're completely separate. I can create a bridge between those two and connect them. And a really good application and maybe something that people have heard before a lot is something like Zapier. A lot of people talk about Zaps and doing that sort of thing. Zapier is just kind of a different bridge. It's kind of like a cheat code to create that bridge. It makes you feel like a programmer. I've used it before. I'm like, look at me programming. And it's like, if this happens, do this. If this happens in program A, do this in program B. And I'm like, ooh, I'm programming. But it's literally like, (laughs) it's not. It's drop down box. Like you don't have to be very sophisticated to do it. Well, yeah. And you know what? There is a lot of use to that. But eventually, you know, at the end of the day, when you kind of take back all those layers, they're using APIs underneath that. It's really just kind of that bridge that connects those two systems. Right. And so like, why does this matter? If I'm a mortgage broker, why do I care about APIs? What's the benefit to me? Just help me understand that. You know, I don't know about you, Scott, but I talk to a lot of people and one of the number one things I hear and what we always try and solve is people say, I have a hundred tabs open. Like I'm trying to do a mortgage transaction here and I've got to open a tab for, you know, communicating with my lawyer. I got to open up a tab for ordering the appraisal. I got to open up a tab to get my insurance. I got to do it for my Calendly, for my meetings, for my Outlook. And, you know, I think that's a good thing in itself because I think the idea of specialization and kind of using a tool specifically for its purpose is a good thing. But then eventually what that leads to is so many kind of little things in so many different areas. 
it can get very difficult to manage it all. And so, of course, that's where kind of the API comes in. You can still use those tools, use those things that are really good at their individual tasks, but then at the end of the day, kind of connect everything together through these bridges, through these APIs, through these apps. So everything's kind of talking together. And that just allows, you know, for yourself, for your team members, especially too, if you do kind of work on a team, everybody knows what's going on at any given time. Right. And less data entry. So instead of taking something from one program, putting it into the next program, like especially in the mortgage, there's a lot of information data that we collect and being able to connect it is very powerful. So, And, and uh, I think, sorry, Scott, not to cut you off, just on that point too, though, it's time-saving, right? The data entry, yeah. but it's also like reducing human errors. You know, yeah, like every how- time you retype the data, there's a chance for you to, oh, put the name in wrong, put the yeah. like this thing. And so if you can move that digitally, completely, that, that's going to be better. So yeah, APIs, I always think of them like they're like a universal connector between two different programs, right? Or bridge totally. between two countries. And mm-hmm. um, so you guys, so at Blue Mortgage, you have a bunch of these that you've already built out. So let's talk about some of those. So in terms of like submission platforms, you know, who are you guys connected with? And how does that work? Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said, kind of just a minute ago, a big thing we always try and do is help solve people who do have all these different tabs, bringing them together. So the first place we start is, yeah, absolutely. Those submission platforms, kind of the lifeblood for your data. And so, yeah, we connect with Phylogic, still, uh, you know, a hugely popular platform there. But then, you know, kind of up and coming, you have the Velocities, you have the Finmos. And across all three of those, we absolutely integrate full integrations with each of them. And so, you know, using any of those platforms means you can have a centralized spot for that data in your CRM. Right, right. Okay. So, and, and you're connected with Phylogics, Finmo, and Velocity, right? You bet. Yep. All yep. three of the main ones in Canada. And then what other kind of stuff have you guys been able to build APIs for to make it easy for brokers again? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, yeah, again, I mean, kind of bringing everything together, we started with the data because I think, you know, data is the most important thing, you know, without the right data, there's not much you can do. But then from there, we said, okay, well, then what services are people? What are things that people do to do this? And so where we've started was MPP insurance, which I think quite a few people do it there. So that's a tool we've integrated with to kind of make it very quickly able to, you know, get applications into your CRM, kind of build a process around it. We've integrated with a couple, even appraisal companies, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. So being able to say, hey, as soon as I get approval, I can click a button. There goes the appraisal and I can monitor its progress again, right from a single spot. And one that we're working on right now, which we're really excited about, which I think a lot of our customers use is the Snap NOA integration, which is coming out very, very soon. And yeah, that's just going to, again, make it easy. Just a click of a button to request some of those tax documents. So then you don't have to even rekey it into a system or anything. You just go click and then it's off it goes, notifies the snap, notifies is, that's not even a word, notifies snap and then snap sends it to the client this authorization to sign. And then what will happen to the documents? So will the documents still have to be like, how will you get the documents on that? Yeah, and I think that's the kind of the full cycle, right? Like the click of a button, that's awesome. Don't have to rekey things in. But then also kind of seeing it on the back end, hey, when the docs come through, or for example, the appraisal, when the appraisal is complete, being able to get all that information back into a centralized spot is really important. So that was a key thing for each of our integrations that, hey, once the action's complete, that all those documents, everything you would have been requested, ends up right back in the CRM so you can use it and you can always use that single screen to know, what's going on across all the different systems you use. Right. Yeah. And I've actually used Snap. They're fantastic. I use them recently to pull my own tax okay. documents because I didn't oh, want yeah. to get them. And I was like, yeah. so I set a timer because I'm like, yeah, is it really Snap? Or how and it was like eight minutes and 34 seconds no, or something. Kidding, I was like, ding. I was like, that's cool. Like, 
Yeah. It's pretty effective. So yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Did I ever tell you about, I did a demo with an Australian broker about six months ago and it didn't go anywhere, but uh, in any case, they have a tool there where you put in a social insurance number, brokers have special authorization and it's literally seconds. You type in the SIN number, click a button and, and your documents are there. And I just like think- Like tax documents? Yeah, tax documents. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And do they pay and for that or is it like... I'm not sure the model there, but it's just they have the legislation in place to be able to just pull it like that. And so I look at something like Snap and it's like, hey, this is the way of the future. This is a stepping stone to getting there. It's technically possible. You know, I think just Canada needs to catch up from a legislative perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So let's wrap up this whole discussion around APIs. So maybe just recap for me, what is an API, the power of it, and then some of the ways that you guys have integrated it? No, yeah, I guess, again, kind of right back from the beginning, API equals a bridge. Zap is probably the most popular version that people are familiar with of that type of bridge and really just connects two different systems, just like a bridge would connect, hey, two different countries or something like that. And so, yeah, for ourselves, we think that's super important to be able to connect these different systems together. And I think it comes down to two things eventually is convenience of getting everything into a single place, but then also in terms of just productivity of your team. So you're not double entering. So you're not having to do these things many times in many different systems. Right, right. It makes sense. You know, I always think reality is there's not one tool to rule them all. It's kind of like people want, the, I want the one yeah. tool as an electrician. It, it's got everything, a voltimeter, electric, you know, it's yeah. got a drill, a screwdriver. So this thing is what you want is a set of tools that actually communicate well with each other because some things are better for, you know, like yeah. snap as a separate platform. So you need to connect with yeah. that or MPP, separate platform, separate authorization. So it's totally. useful to be able to connect to these things, or even depending on your submission platform, whatever that is, if it's, you know, FIM or Phylogix or Velocity. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think it's great that people have that sort of flexibility. And then, you know, the mortgage brokers, they all run their business differently. Like we were a bunch of like, yeah. trying to get them all to agree on something is like herding cats, right? <laughs> yeah, no so yeah. <laughs> it, you, but it's all good, which means that mm -hmm, the nice part sure. is with the right type of tools, you can integrate it. So if you guys are listening to this, go check out bluemortgage.ca. That's B-L-U, there's no E. Like, can we buy a vowel, Tom? I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> you have to ask Vanna White for that. Yeah. I'm not the one. There was yeah. no E in Blue Mortgage. It's just yeah. blue, man. Check those guys out. They've got a fantastic platform. I mean, this is just tip of the iceberg of how it can help you in your business. And I know that there's some very large productive teams. Like, I can think of a couple that household names that you guys would know that use this platform because it's just very efficient for them. So check that out. And thanks again, Tom, for coming chat with me. Thanks, Scott. Bye for now. All right, so if you wanna check out Blue Mortgage, go to bluemortgage.ca. And finally, if you wanna keyword search all of our back catalog of episodes, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, set up a free account. And if you're a new mortgage broker like Melody and you're like, hey, Scott, I wanna double, triple, quadruple my powers, we have a plan for you. And the plan is significantly better than what we put Melody through, even though Melody had success and I love what Melody's done. I hate to admit it, this new program is significantly better because we've taken all the learning from that, plus a bunch of other really smart coaches that I've worked with, and we've created this thing called the 100-Day Challenge, where literally every day for 100 days, we give you exactly what to do. Today's day one, it's gonna be this many minutes. This is the activities you need to do. Then you need to do this, step by step by step. And literally every day, every week builds on the previous week. It's all laid out for you to help you build a referral-based business. And I predict that we're going to have people from a cold start, 10 mortgages, approved, maybe not funded because you can't do it that quickly in 100 days or less by following this recipe. So go check out rookietorockstar.ca and thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.